Here at Text Talks, we're taking a little time off to prepare for what is said to be our biggest season yet. And we're trying really hard to sneak in a little R&R so that we're properly recharged and ready to go. But because we're workaholics and we can't really take a break, we thought that even though August is done and dusted and Women's Month along with it, we would try and keep the conversation and vibe going by continuing to focus on our awesome female guests all through September. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be re-releasing some of our favorite episodes. This week, we're looking at the incomparable talent that is Zolani Mahola. Hello. Hello. And welcome to Text Talks. I am Tex. And today I am talking to a South African musical treasure. She is a singer, an actress, a speaker, and an agent for social change. But above all, she is a storyteller who, at the end of 2019, in a glorious send-off concert at Kirsten Bosch Gardens in Cape Town, hung up her vocal reins as the front woman and lead singer of the world-renowned pan-African group Freshly Ground, and has now reinvented herself through her solo show, which she debuted as well at the end of 2019. 2019 was a very busy year for her, uh, called The One Who Sings. I am, of course, talking about the one and only Zolani Mahola, who, who quite literally is the one who sings. Yeah. Uh, Zolani, I'm so... <laughs> incredibly excited that you could join me here at STFD Studios in Woodstock, Cape Town. But first, we need to mention our awesome studio sponsors for this season. STFD Studio, a world-class recording facility opened by local music specialists, Sit the Folk Down. Their services range from audio and post-production work to mixing and mastering and everything else audio-related. Get in touch with them at studio at stfd.co.za for all your recording and music-related needs. Mix Room Studios is a boutique, electronic music-focused mixing and mastering studio. And if you're making cool electronic music, you probably need your beats to be polished. So hit Mix Room Studio up at info at mixroomstudios.com for more info. How, how are you? How has 2020 been treating you? 2020 has been really good so far. As you say, I hung up my I love how you said that hung up my reins the reins yeah so so it's been here I've been I've realized an incredible amount of shifts and changes in my life I was with the Freshly Ground for 17 years we were together so there's quite a big space that has opened up um, in my life and it's a bit scary but it's also very exciting Uh, I can imagine so Mm. I mean, you said 17 years mm. with, with Freshly Ground. So your your career has been so rich and so fruitful. I think it's going to make for a fascinating autobiography one day, which I can't <gasps> wait to read. Well, but maybe I, she's writing ooh, a book. Oh, <laughs> am I Nostradamus? <laughs> yes. Maybe. <laughs> but I think we should start at the beginning. Right. So it's 2004. And you're riding on a successful wave of your debut album with Jika Jika. And then you release this track called Doobie Doo, right? And things just explode. Mm. And I remember being 
instantly hooked from the opening melody that's now like so iconic i mean i i i think i'd probably like the first the first line of the of the the first vocal line yes did you hear the uh, news on the radio today my god i was so little that one that line <laughs> i mean i'd probably go so far to say that there's probably there's there are not many south africans that don't know that line not below a certain age. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not give away our age here, though. Um, but did you did you have any idea that that track that that would be the track that would launch your career? No, we had no idea. In fact, we didn't want to put that track on our album because we thought it was too commercial and it didn't sound like us. And then, seventeen years later, that is the song that people define us by. So what was the ultimate deciding factor that got that song on the album? I think it was our producers. It was our producers, um, Victor Masondo and J.B. Arthur. Um, very, very experienced and incredible musicians and producers in their own right. So they, they said, mm, no, this is a song. <laughs> you should put the song on the album. <laughs> and glad we listened to them. All these years down the line, how do you feel about that track now? Sure. I've had a complicated relationship with it. I have. I have. Right now, I feel like I want to put it a little bit aside. I've mixed feelings about it. I'm very, very happy because it is a song that really encapsulated joy, you know, and a song that really has connected people of very disparate walks and has given people hope and connection in our country here so on the one hand I feel so incredibly proud to have been a part of that song um, and then on the on the other hand I feel like I want to just as I say give it a little bit of a break for a while um, and explore other sounds and explore you know other other ways of being you know than than that that wonderful deep joy mm. yeah one of the things that I think stands out for me about that track and that you did so well was uh, I think it was one of the second or third lines you say um, politicians have agreed to honor and obey right and 15 years later that's not necessarily the case mm. um, and I like how you weren't afraid to tackle the issues and to speak about things that musicians weren't speaking about. Well, you know, it's interesting because it, it, it I, I think because the song seems so sweet, I think it people could miss that, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of, particularly in the Kosa, Kosa lyrics of, um, of, of, of the rest of the songs, as I've written, there's a lot of social commentary and there's a lot of um, quite pointed um, uh, talk to, to the powers that be. Um, to really do what we want them, what we have mandated them to do, you know, which is to serve us. Um, lots of those themes, particularly in the Cosa Dooby Doo, is is one of the, yeah, one of the outliers I think in terms of English. But but even in that, so it was quite couched in like a really sweet melody, and I think, um, I think it was quite an interesting, subversive thing. You know, people are sort of ingesting this this music and and but there's something there's always something that goes that goes down below below the surface but obviously that 
theme that occurs in that track lyrically it's not a once-off sure i mean banana republic very overt <laughs> very self-explanatory uh, but one of my favorites yeah. uh chicken chicken to change chicken to change yeah which you did in collaboration with ZA News and Zapiro with a very striking music video where Zapiro does this caricature of Robert Mugabe. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, around the time, uh, I read an article, the band was deported from, from Zimbabwe. Yeah, funny story. So I was with my, we were all traveling as the team and I had my, my, first, my firstborn and he was small. He was like two. And we get to passport control, we get there, and they look at up and, and they say, Oh, freshly ground, oh you VIPs. And they take us, they herd us to the side, and they said, We'll show you how we treat VIPs. And we waited for about forty five minutes and and then they came they came back. They were very jolly. Very, very jolly. My two year old is just like playing around out there and they say, you know, access denied or whatever it was. And we turned around and we got back on the plane back to South Africa and that and then we went back in Zim for a while until the death of, of Robert Mugabe. That's that's an incredible story. Mm. I feel like with all the political turmoil that's going on in the moment, not in South Africa but worldwide, mm. I feel like it's chaotic mm. currently. Mm. Do you think that in this country specifically there are enough artists that talk about things that really matter? Um, I know not everybody can be overtly political, mm. but I feel that there's a need, there's a gap for artists in this country to talk more about issues that matter. If it's, you know, from the, the corruption or the Me Too movement or yeah. you know, the, the sort of state of violence that we have against uh, women and children going on in this country. Do you, yeah. do you feel like artists should step up a bit more musically. I think that artists should do that if they if they are drawn to. I think, you know, I think that um to write a song to be to be politically, you know, vocal um is a mistake. I think that if anyone, any artist needs to respond authentically, you know, and that's that's the only way that really you, you you're going to be heard. Um so even for myself now, I, 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 I don't feel any pressure to write songs that are socio-politically, you know, resonant. I, I want to respond. I just want to respond to. I want to respond to what naturally comes. That said, the artists are the voice of the people, you know, and and I think the role of the artist is to keep ourselves ourselves open. I think a lot of the time what happens is that we feel like we are we have to stay in our lane <laughs> you know and and I think our lane has been quite trivialized um the artists have a role in society you know they 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 are part of the society they are there to reflect what's going on they're there to to respond but it it has to be authentic so what would you say to people who look at musicians and say you're entertainers you know, st- stay in your lane, right. like what you said. Right. How? Wh- what would your response be to something like that? I've heard that. I've heard that over the over the over the years. I've heard that from my from my peers. You know, they haven't said that as a direct comment to me, but they have, they have said things like, you know, they 
they want to stay out of it you know they want to they just they just want to entertain you know they feel like um they want to leave politicking to the politicians i i disagree mm-hmm. i disagree i think i think that um i think that we have we have a duty to talk about the things that affect us you know and we but again it's 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 got to it's got to hit you and then you and then you got to put it out you know mm. for a lot of us it's hitting us but we but we're too scared or we are just not interested you know in 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 putting it up back out there one of the things that i love specifically about your decision to include chicken chicken to change in your radio africa album mm. which obviously you released in 2010 and you did it at a time when the eyes of the world were on you, obviously, because you had recorded the theme song for the 2010 World Cup. Like the eyes were on, right. were on you, were on South Africa, the, country, yeah. was on, the continent was on everything. Yeah. What are some of your fondest memories when you think back about being included in such a prolific global event like the World Cup? Yeah. No, that was... <laughs> That was that just was quite small, something. Just a small little. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite something. I, yeah, talk about being catapulted into the world stage. Um, yeah, by that stage we had been going for for eight years, but certainly that was that was our our biggest sort of global global success. Being a part of that song with Shakira. Um, you know, you you spoke a little bit about my play at the beginning, at the top of of this podcast, um, the one who sings, and I speak a little bit about this um, about the Waka Waka time. And something that I think will surprise a lot of people is that you know it's it was in so many ways the pinnacle of my and the band's career, um, but I internally was feeling terrible. I was at my lowest. You know, I was, um, I've never been a, I've never been a thin person, um, except when I was maybe like seven. (laughs) Join the club. But, um, yeah, but I was at my biggest weight that I've ever, that I've ever been. And this is certainly not to say anything against weight, but that heaviness was a reflection of what was going on internally. And what was going on internally is that I was responding to, the world from a place of being very disempowered. So, um, and I was engaging in very addictive, compulsive, destructive behaviors. Around the time Around of the, the time World Cup. Of the World Cup. So I was emotionally and spiritually in quite a low place at the same time as being, as in my career, you know, I was in a very elevated space. So my memories of the of the World Cup time are, um, yeah, they are. They're I have, I'm ambivalent, you know. I mean, I have I have I have I have two extremes, very high and very low. It's a mixed bag. It's a very mixed bag. Yeah, I mean, I was drinking at my drinking was one of the the ways that I had been using to sort of cope with. She's to cope with being myself <laughs> in this world or trying to avoid being myself. So it wasn't necessarily like this newfound pressure or fame or anything. It was just no, you coping no, with was, like identity. It was and- very much internal okay. and it happened to coincide with this very public event. Yeah. So what I explore in my in my play are the roots of where that behavior came from, of where 
overeating, um, um, alcohol addiction. Um, I go back and I investigate my own story. The one who sings an autobiographical piece Mm -hmm. and book coming soon, book coming soon. (laughs) And, and one of the, one of the, the things that happened to spur on this behavior was sexual abuse by my, my stepbrother when I was nine, between the ages of nine and 12. So what I did to sort of not deal with this scenario is that I just went uh, avoid, avoid, avoid. You know, I just went like um, do anything to distance myself from myself. So that went into things like watching a whole lot of TV, you know, reading voraciously. I was incredibly voracious. I would I would steal books from the library for the weekend because I, five books or six books wasn't enough, but I'd bring them back, you know, at the end of the weekend. And um, eating became a form of escape. Later on became things like alcohol, etc. <laughs> and so this was, this is one of the things that I explored in my play. So... How has sharing your personal story affected you? Because mm. listening to you now, it sounds like it's been incredibly cathartic for you. Yeah. And that it's helped you deal with some things that maybe you've repressed. It's been really amazing. You know, it's been, it's, I feel like through looking at my own story and looking at maybe reasons why, um, I behave in in certain ways and then deciding consciously that I don't want that to be a part of my life anymore. That journey has led me to an owning of my own story that, and a feeling of being in myself that is greater than I've had in a very, 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 very long time. Mm. You know, possibly maybe from back when, you know, before before all of this, you know, when I was a little child, you know, so just, it's been an incredible way of feeling like I'm moving towards becoming more whole. And yeah, obviously sharing a story that's so deeply personal Mm -hmm. on stage to different people every night can be very inspiring, very empowering for someone who's sitting in the audience. Mm, I got incredible yeah. feed, incredible letters from people. I mean, I say letters, obviously emails from people. <laughs> you say letters as your key, your as fingers I, are typing. moving. <laughs> a lot of incredible, you know, emails from people. One one person was a woman who had brought her young daughter to come and see the show, and she said, "Thank you so much for going so." deep and being so so open and and to say that a lot of the things that I talked about or that I showed in the play were things that she didn't know how she hadn't known previously how to talk to her child about and how it it was such an incredible bonding experience for then I remembered this little girl she was like she was like seven or eight you know sort of the 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 age that I was when my mother passed away and then you know and then the, the 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 abuse started you know so it was incredible then connecting with this woman, hearing how she had bonded with her child over the material in the play. Hmm. So you've positioned yourself not only as a singer and an actress and all of the multiple things that you've done over the years, but also as a motivational speaker. Mm. So I wanted to know 
for someone who hasn't attended any of your talks or hasn't heard you speak yeah. apart from your solo show, what are some of the topics that you address? What are some of the things that yeah. you, you're passionate about talking about? There's really one central theme and it doesn't matter if I'm talking to kids or if I'm talking to a corporate or if I'm talking to, you know, a, a group of women. The central thing is being a curiosity about your own story, mm. is encouraging us to be curious about our own stories, to to really consciously be able to be in the world. You know, it's motivational speaking is such a blare term. It's such a it's I, I really hate it actually. I want I want to change that. I'm changing it to inspiration speaker. Inspiration speaker. Inspiration speaker. I'm not know? gonna lie, I like that much more. It's so much nicer, man. You know, it's like move from a place of being being inspired mm. to change. Being inspired to to say, okay, this is not working in my life. Why? Mm. What are the beliefs that have led to this moment? What are the beliefs that have led me to this crisis, however big or however small? Mm. And do I still resonate with all of these old stories of myself, me against the world? Because now that you mention that, the word motivation, motivational, it's kind of got a connotation attached to it that like makes you seem like you're lazy, you know, and Mm. that you've got to, you need someone to light a fire under your ass because you're just sitting on the couch doing nothing. For example, inspiration's more like inspiration, inspirational. That's coming from you. You're the one that's (gasps) sparked something inside of you. Which is totally correct. You are the driving force. In a lot of ways, I chose to identify myself as the victim of my life. You know, my life was happening to me. As opposed to, to saying, actually... Damn, man, I have, I I am incredibly talented, which I am. Damn straight, <laughs> you, you know, are. It took me a long time just to to be able to like say that without feeling like, geez, you, you're tooting your own horn, you know. And I mean, it's just the stuff that we say to ourselves. Do you not think that we're conditioned as women to not necessarily put ourselves first and like I do think so and there's a degree like what you just said now Mm. where you didn't think you were worthy and when you when you it took you a long time to say I am talented this is me I I can sing I can act yeah I can create music I am an artist I can tell a story um I I think a, a lot of that has to do with the fact that like we feel like we're not worthy as women because we put ourselves second or third. Big at time. Times. And that's just generational. Mm. You know, but I feel like we are that is a something that is that actively we are as women in the world, you know, changing. Mm. But it's it's in there. It's deep in there. It's entrenched. But I think it's that, entrenched. I think that you with your solo show and with your project as an inspirational speaker going forward i think that you are poised to do incredible things i really think that you are um and and tell stories that are relevant to this age Mm. and to what people and women our age Mm. are going through at the moment because this country is a it's a melting pot it's changing every day it's you know it's beautiful, but then there yeah. also there are also some darker sides. Big time. That and and things that go unsaid and things that go unaddressed. Hundred percent. Yeah. No, I'm. I. I feel 
that it's certainly not only the women of our country, you know, who feel disempowered, who feel ill at ease, you know, who feel like they, that they, they, I don't know. I, I speak to so many, so many boys and I go to, I go to a lot of schools, you know, and I feel like, I feel like boys are also told, you know, are also shut down and also are, I mean, certainly in, in different brackets are, are slightly different, you know, I mean, you know, if you, you go to Seapoint School, it's going to be different than in Kailicha. But for the majority of the kids in this country, this the system of how we address kids and how we how we how we mold them how we grow them is still so disempowering and that is something that for me i would love to address you know it's it happens in childhood it hap- all of this stuff happens in childhood in in my play or you know, in my talks i talk about my my stepmother who was incredibly like incredibly disempowering you know she would she would say she would say things like you know don't you know don't, don't act like you're better you know, like don't think you don't think you're worth it don't think you're you're all that you know what I mean and and that all of those messages whether whether it's as overt as that or or not boys and girls in this country are getting that every single day the last time I saw you mm. was at the launch of the Bridges for Music School in mm. Langa, where you spoke very briefly and then you performed mm. two songs. And everything that you just said now about, you know, going into different areas and, you know, talking and, and engaging with the students, that's what you did there. And um, that was such a special opening to be a part of and to be privy to, because I think that what Trenton and the team are doing there is absolutely incredible. Um, and they've gone into a, you know a place that didn't have anything like that, and they've created this beautiful state of the art tertiary education <laughs> institution. I'm so bridges for music. No, it's it's absolutely <laughs> insane. And I, um, yeah, I think that that you your presence there and what you said and the song that you sang to mm. bless the place before it officially opened was so beautiful and so poignant for those kids. Mm. And if they can look at you and see, this is where I've come from, this is my story, yes. freshly ground, da, 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 and now I'm here yes. and I'm embarking on this new journey, Yes, you can do it too. Oh, hundreds. You just gave me chills. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here all week, folks. <laughs> nice. But Solani, I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining me in studio today at the Folk Down Studios in Woodstock. I love it here. It's the best. Off the hook. Uh, also, can we talk about the big uh, carpet outside called Zeus? Zeus is big, man. Zeus is major. I don't know how you feel about dogs, but I'm anybody that knows me knows that I'm completely obsessed with dogs. So, yeah, so I might like move into the studio when I'm in Cape Town now, <laughs> just so I can give Zeus little scratches on his little belly. <laughs> so cute. But Solani, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. And I cannot wait to see what is next. Well, let me tell you what's next. Oh, okay. So Zolani, tell me, going forward, what is your vision for your solo project? And also, what is the next chapter 
in your journey that is yet to be written? My vision for my next chapter is to tell stories. Uh, whether I tell these stories in music, or if I tell them in plays, or if I tell them through talks. I just want to tell stories, and some of them mine, and some of them just ones that I've that I've come across. And there is a story that um, I recorded called Waundi Tembisile that I'm releasing round about now. And it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful story, but a very heartbreaking story um, about placing your trust in false gods and being disappointed. Um, centrally, it's about rediscovering your own power. Um, I love this song because it's a journey. You know, for me, it feels like something like a mini bohemian rhapsody because it just it goes through so many emotions so people must definitely check out my latest track that sounds absolutely incredible i it's can't beautiful. wait it's i really cannot beautiful. wait to hear it if, as soon as you said mini bohemian rhapsody i was like yeah Hook. it's a it's a journey through sound that's phenomenal yeah i can't wait to check it out here is a thing with nothing to say Mountains won't stand in your way You like to walk as if troubles are behind you They'll never find you as long as you hide Out you'll miss the rain Standing with forehead on windowpane Come out, bring us your shame We won't leave you lonely, we'll call you by sun dripping over your face nobody knows where you be your arms open wide greeting strangers like family nobody knows all the places you sinned why you miss the rain standing with forehead on windowpane come out bring us your shame we won't let you flounder We'll call you by name Oh how I love all the places that shine in you Let me dine in you and displace myself Sinking entwined let me forget what binds me to Sit inside of you and forsake myself
around when the rivers stop flowing it's only hope that turns bread into wine i have no words when the winter floods out of you never once did i Shout out to Zolani Mahola for joining us in studio. Thanks for joining us for another Text Talks. Check out textinthecity.com for more episodes. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and listen to Text Talks on all good streaming platforms. For myself, Tex, our producers, Jonathan Ings and Matt Lewitz, and our assistant researcher and collaborator, Al Clapper, catch you all on the flip side.